Today, it is just such a, a privilege to have with us Grant, Molly, uh, Wyatt, and their sons. I've had the opportunity, they've been here many times in the past, uh, but I've had the opportunity now to be with them in Vietnam a couple of times. Our teams have been there four or five times. I love the ministry that takes place there, the opportunity to minister that takes place there. If you enjoy meeting people, talking to people, uh, you need to consider going with us on one of our trips to Vietnam to be a part of the ministry that takes place. I hope Grant will tell you a little bit more about it as he comes up. But uh, we have a team going in September, and there's still a few spots open for that. If you would like to go be a part of that, we would love to have you go and uh, you'll be able to share your testimony in very, very exciting ways. But the ministry that they have built there has been fabulous. Uh, it's, it's interesting. We have one of our missionaries that we support now that got saved, came to Christ in Vietnam in this ministry, and then has come to the United States and gotten trained and is now in Cambodia working for the, the gospel. We have another one that we're working with, with a family we're working with right now. In fact, I'm having lunch with them this week that she was, came to Christ in Vietnam, and they're getting ready to go to Egypt and start a church in Egypt. So a lot of great things have come out of this ministry. So Grant, thank you yeah. for all the stuff you're doing. Thank and you, Tom. And dive in, buddy. Yeah. Well, it is great to be with you this, uh, today, and it's been great to be with you this week. Have you had a good time this week? Man, we had a blast. It's, uh, it's exciting to get to see everybody in a different atmosphere. The kids at the school, they're great. Molly was with the kids most of the week. Uh, I was with my kids taking care of them. But uh, um, we just uh, love you guys. Love what your, your heart for missions. Love your heart for lost people. That's what it's about, is, is reaching lost people. Um, but I'd just like to say thank you. I introduced my wife, Molly, if you haven't met her, and the, my, our boys, Logan and Grayson. You can, uh, yeah. You can stop by our table. We'll be there if you guys got any questions for us. We'd love to talk to you, and we'd love to have you on a team. Come on over to Vietnam and, and just see what we do and get involved in reaching lost people. That's what it's all about. You know, I don't know about you, but God's never had to call me to do anything that I wanted to do. You know, he's always had to call me to do things that maybe I didn't want to do, or I wasn't thinking about doing, or maybe that I thought I wasn't qualified for. I think that's where a lot of Christians get stumped. It's like, God, you're calling me, but I, I don't see myself doing that. And um, that was the same way with us when God called us to Vietnam. We didn't feel like really prepared. We didn't know what we were getting into because Vietnam is, is completely different than America. In America, we like our space, right? I can tell you guys like your space. You're spread out. And uh, you know what I mean? Not too close. We like seats between us. In Vietnam, they like to be like close to you, like touching you. I mean, traffic, people, my elbow bumps into people around me. In the grocery line, people will cut you if you leave space. You know, I, I mean, when I was first, I'm, I'm America, I get over there, I, I leave space. You know, the person's in front of me, we give them some space. If I give them that, if you give that much space in Vietnam, people are going to cut in front of you. You're like, what is going on? 
Like, why, why, what's going on? And, it, and at first, it's uncomfortable to get that close to people. You know, people are all up on you. It's hot and sweaty anyway. You're like, man, why are you so close to me? But over, over time, you become comfortable with this closeness. And, and we became so comfortable, or at least I did, that when I was in, we were coming back from the first time we were in Vietnam, and I was in the immigration line, and I was happy to be off the, we were at Chicago O'Hare Airport, you know, you got the American line and the foreign line. I got into the American line, and there was a guy in front of me, and I was like, bam, right behind him, <laughs> breathing on his neck, because I was like, no one's cutting me today. Like, I'm, I'm getting back in, you know, I'm ready to be home, no one's going to cut me. And he was like this, like, whoo, what's this guy doing? He's like right on me. And he, go, he shuffles, and I shuffled. He shuffled again, and I shuffled again. I did this two or three times, finally Molly realizes what's going on. She taps me on the shoulder and says, Grant, we're back in America. And I step back, and that guy goes, whoo. Are you willing to be uncomfortable to reach lost people? Are you willing to allow God to make you uncomfortable to see the loss come to him? God's always made me uncomfortable when he's called me to do something. And, and if we're not willing to be uncomfortable with God, will we reach the loss? You know, in 1 Corinthians 9, 23, it says this, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Church, are we using all means? Are we using all means to reach the loss? Are we doing everything we can to reach the loss? You know, how we do it in Vietnam, because we're not uh, able to go in there as missionaries. We have a coffee shop. It's a, called Businesses Missions. And our coffee shop is like a normal coffee shop in, in, in most areas, but in two areas, there's these, what we call speaking rooms, where the Vietnamese will come in to practice their English with a native speaker. You, most of you are all native speakers, so you can come over on a team and you can work with us. And as they practice their language with us, they're coming to us because they want to uh, improve their English to earn more money and to get a better job to support their families. But as they're uh, improving their English, we get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You know, in our ministry, over the last 14 years, we've been able to share the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time with over 35,000 people in a coffee shop. Are we using all means? Are we, are we being creative, using this mind that God has given us to reach people in, in different ways? Because if we keep on doing it the same way, we're just going to reach the same people. We're missing out. How are we going to reach the unreached if we're not willing to try new things? And, and the way it works in our coffee shop, people will come in and they're practicing English and, and we'll, we'll share the gospel and, and we'll talk to them and we start to build a relationship with them. We just, we believe in relationship. And, uh, you know, as Christians, I think we need to be in relationships with lost people. If you don't hear anything else tonight, Every, I believe every Christian should be in a, in, in a relationship with a lost person, a significant relationship where you're spending time with them, you're inviting them into your house, you're doing life with them. Because if we're not in relationship with these lost people, how are they going to experience the, the goodness of God? And that's how we do it at the coffee shop. And, and as people come in, we just become uh, friends with them and, and start getting into their life and start doing relationship with them, invite them into discipleship classes and everything. 
one of the young men that came in uh, was Mr. Bunn. And if you've been on a team, you probably know Mr. Bunn. He, he's, he's unforgettable. <laughs> he's a character. But when he first started coming into the coffee shop, he was kind of crass. And uh, our young ladies that were there at the time didn't really like working with him because he would say some things that were inappropriate. And, uh, but we didn't kick him out or we just, we just started to love on him. Just, you know, tried to correct things as we was going. But as we saw God working in his life, his, he started to change. You know, evidence of a, of a Christian life is a changed life. You know, as Bun was moving along and you could see how God was working in his life, he was changing. And years had gone by. He would come in. One day, he found out about our discipleship classes. And he said, can I come to those? I, I would like to know what you guys are talking about. I said, sure, come on in. And, and he would ask great questions. And we just put time into him. And he was coming for years. Then he found out about our church. Because our church is invitation only because it's illegal. And he said, can I come? I said, he said, yeah. We said, come on. I mean, he came to church every Sunday. I mean, he was more faithful than a lot of our believers. You know what I mean? Like, he was just hungry for the truth. And uh, over time, you know, we were doing baptisms. He was, he was curious about that. He's like, can I, what, what is that? What, what do they do? And so we yeah, come to baptism. See what it's all about over time. You know, we went through some uh, difficult times with him. His dad passed away from cancer, but we were just around him, loving on him. And just, you know, no matter where he was in that walk, we were there with him. And one day he, he calls me up. He had just opened up a new uh, restaurant. And he calls me up and said, hey, Grant, would you come over to my new place? And I, I had been meaning to get there. I just hadn't got there yet. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I hadn't, hadn't been by your place yet. And I thought he was just calling me up to tell me to come to his, his uh, restaurant. I got over there, and he's showing us around, you know, and I had brought a friend with me, and uh, he said, but I got something else to tell you. I said, what is it, bud? He said, I want you to know that I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of him. I said, wow. We said, we, we, and my buddy just said, he was pretty blunt. He said, what took you so long, bud? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> this was eight years. Are you willing to invest in lost people for eight years? And give, them, give God the time to work in their lives so that they will come to Christ. Eight years it took him. He said, and, and uh, he said, you know what, what it was? He said, of all the people that came over, he said, you guys have had hundreds of people come over on these teams. And he said, what it was is the consistency of their witness. He said, I would ask the same question to every group. And he goes, I know Grant and Molly didn't teach people what to say. He said, and then they, they would just be consistent in their witness and how God worked in their life. And he said, that is what's drawn me to Christ and why I decided to follow Jesus. We need to be in relationships with lost people. Another thing we need to do is we need to tell the truth with love to lost people. We need to be truth tellers. You know, it's great to have, we need to be, our walk needs to be good. We need to represent Christ well. But if we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our spoken word, we're missing out. People's life, people are going to miss out on the kingdom of God. People have to know why we act the way we do and why the decisions that we make, why we make those. And that's only by telling them it's because of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. You know, uh, Pastor told a little bit 
Fung was another young lady that came into our coffee shop. Comes from a wealthy or wealthier family uh, for Vietnamese uh, society, and and she's just a just a great young lady. She was in university, and she was coming around, and and she heard the truth. We we we. I mean, we speak the truth in a communist country where you can't share the gospel. We share the gospel every day, openly to people. And Fung was one of those young ladies. She just she she heard the truth, and she just wanted more of that truth. She started seeking out, and she started asking those questions. She started hanging out at the coffee shop quite a bit. And and over time, it took three years for her to come to Christ. But she when she came to Christ, she was all in. She told her brother. Her brother came to church. He got saved. Her sister, they got saved. But Fung was a go-getter, and God had a call in her life. And, and she was like, I have a call to, to go to the nations. And we were like, okay. We didn't know how that worked from there. Like, how do you get someone from Vietnam to the nations? And, she, well, she didn't wait for us to figure out an idea. She, she got online. She got, she got accepted to a Christ for the Nations, a, a, a Bible school in Dallas, Texas. And she got there, and she went in. She went through. She ended up getting her master's at Moody. She met her, uh, her soon-to-be husband. And now God has called them to Cairo, Egypt. From a from telling the truth in a coffee shop in, in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, by being faithful and sometimes being uncomfortable and telling that truth, someone's life was changed, and now they're going to reach Muslim people in the Arab world. That's how when we tell the truth, we can change nations. We can change the trajectory of families and, and people's lives to, to move forward. Her brother's now in the ministry. Her, one of the younger sisters is in the ministry too. Think about that impact because this girl heard the truth. How many hundreds of thousands of people might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because we were willing to tell the truth. We need to tell the truth, church, but we need to tell that, tru that truth with love. We need to give people time to, to, to hear that truth and let it soak into them and, and, and be around them. We also need to be people of the Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, I think too many times as Christians, we like to spiritualize the move of the Spirit on our life. Like, um, God might be, this Holy Spirit might be speaking to you to pray for someone or to do something for someone. And a lot of times we're going, man, I'm going to have to pray about that to see if God, that's really you. You know, I don't know about you, but I've, I don't think I've ever had Satan try to say, hey, would you uh, pray for that person that they would receive healing? You know, I think we need to be just a little bit more bold and saying, okay, I, I might look foolish here. This is making me uncomfortable what you're asking me to do, God, but I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to be obedient to you and just pray for that person right now in the middle of Walmart or wherever we're at. You know, one day I was just, just meet, I meet up with some guys uh, periodically there in Vietnam, some uh, foreign, foreign guys, and we pray for one another. And one morning this, this one guy was sharing this prayer request. He said, I just found out about this, the, uh, this girl, this baby girl that needs to have eye surgery. And, and he, he said, what happened was her mom was about six months pregnant. And she was, uh, she's a teacher up in the highlands, up in the middle of the country in Vietnam. And she would ride her motorbike 
up to this minority village where she taught school is about 20 miles up to this village. Every, she, so every day, up and back, uh, uh, six times a week. And one morning on her way up to the, that village, she went into labor. She ended up giving birth on the side of the road by herself there to baby Hua. And as uh, she was laying there, eventually someone came along and they helped her get down to the hospital. But because baby Hua was born early, premature, her lungs weren't fully developed. So they put her in the incubator. And, and uh, they turned the oxygen levels up to a point where the lungs would develop fine, but her eyes, her retinas would detach. And that's what happened. So she was, when she was, she was told that her, the, her parents were told that the baby, her baby would never see again. She was going to be blind. And uh, the parents didn't take that. When she was healthy enough to get her out of the hospital, they took her up to the Hanoi and uh, tried to get her some help there, but they said, there's nothing we can do. They, he, they took her down to the Ho Chi Minh City, to the doctors there, and asked if they could help, and they said, nope, there's nothing we can do. And uh, they were back home, and, and her dad was desperate, came out of the hospital, and there's old Catholic church next to the hospital, and he walks into that church, and he just looks up, and he cries out to God, and he says, if there's a God out there, would you help my baby girl? And as he walks out of that, that old church, he gets a Facebook message. Because Facebook is everywhere, people. <laughs> and uh, the Facebook message said, there's, there's this doctor in Ho Chi Minh City. He's a foreign doctor, and he can help your baby. Gave him the address, the information. He went home, got, a, got his little girl and his wife, and they got on the bus, took the 12-hour bus ride down to Ho Chi Minh City, and they just walked into the doctor's office. No appointment, nothing, and, and said, you, can you help my daughter? The doctor was kind of like, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean? He, and he just said, okay, let me just do an examination. He examined baby Wa, and he, and he came and told his parents this. He said, I can help her, but I have to do it this week. This is Wednesday. I'm meeting with these guys on Friday. He said, if we don't do the surgery this week, she's going to be, there's nothing we can do. We can't repair anything. He said, but it's going to be about $9,000 to do the surgery. And uh, they were already in debt, traveling for medical expenses and everything. They didn't have the money. And this is where, I, this, is where this guy is telling us this story. And when he tells me that, the Holy Spirit said, pay for the surgery. I said, right there, I, no hesitation. I said, I'm going to pay for the surgery. I said, I, I guarantee the money. Now, I didn't have the money. <laughs> you know, and uh, sometimes yeah, I have some wisdom, so I didn't go home and tell Molly that I just, you know, just did this. You know what I mean? I, I've had to pray about it for a little while. And, uh, but I told Molly, and Molly's like, you better, get, you better be call, calling some people and emailing some, you know, some people. And, you know, it's right before Christmas, and I kind of just sat on it for a little while, a couple weeks, and I was like, man, this is probably not the best time to ask, ask for money, you know. And I had, I had some other pastor friends that have, were in earlier that month, and one of them just emailed me, and he said, hey, I just uh, want to be a blessing to your guys' ministry, and here's $10,000. You guys do with it whatever you want. And I emailed him back and told him the situation. And he was super excited. And he emailed me back. He goes, here's another $10,000 to help out with the, the continued, continued work. 
church, when we're led by the Spirit, lives are changed. People, people are changed. Baby Wah's family has been impacted. Her dad's given his heart to Christ. One day, for, for no other reason, but we ended up having to meet him at McDonald's, and me and Molly were kind of embarrassed, and, and they were coming into town, and as we took him in, Molly was in line. I was with the family, and her, the father just started to cry. Baby Wah's father. And she's like, oh my goodness, what, what's wrong? He goes, I've always dreamed about taking my family to a place this nice to eat. We were like, we were blown away. We were embarrassed about taking them to McDonald's. So we get to spend a lot of time with them because of the follow-ups and everything. So every time they're in town, we're like, do you got McDonald's, Burger King? You know what I mean? Like, you know, we don't have Chick-fil-A, but Popeye's chicken. We have all that. We'll take you to any of those, the playgrounds and different stuff. But their life has been changed because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get ready to play a video here. And you're going to see the ministry and what we're doing and, and some of the things that you, you could be a part of if you come out on the team. But the main thing that you're going to see here is lives that were changed. This last year, there's actually right at Christmas time, we baptized some more. So there's more too than on this video. But lives are being changed because people have said, been uncomfortable and they said yes to Jesus. Let's watch this video. Lives have been changed because churches like you have partnered with us. I'm going to share just one last story before Pastor Mark comes back up. And this is about a young man that, his name was, is Lynn. Uh, it was a normal day at the coffee shop. Molly was there in the speaking room. There's about 10 people in there when, when this morning. And uh, this is when this young man walks in. And when people come in first time, we, you know, we introduce ourselves and everything, and he tells us his name, and, and he says this. He says, you know what? I was driving by this coffee shop. He said, I've never been here before in my life. He said, but something inside me told me to come in here. And he, so he came in. So when we hear something like that, we're like, all right, God, what are you going to do? Because we know what that something is. And uh, they're sitting there talking. He's sharing about his life. He had just graduated university, gotten a job, and everything's going really good in his life. And it got quiet, and Lynn said this. He said, I'm going to kill myself. We'd never had anything like this happen in our coffee shop before. And Molly was just like, she just said a quiet prayer, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say, guide me. And she, said, she just started talking to Lynn and said, why would you want to do that? She goes, you've just been talking about how, you know, good everything is going in your life. And your job, you got a new job, everything, you got your whole life in front of you. Why would you want to do that? And it was over a broken relationship. His girlfriend had ended their relationship and he was just devastated. And so Molly just said, how about your parents? What are your parents going to do? How are they going to, you know, how are they going to move on with this? He goes, oh, it's going to devastate them. She goes, do you have siblings? He goes, yes, I got three younger sisters. How, what's, how's that going to impact them? He said, their life's going to be totally different because me as the oldest son, having a job, I'm, I'm, my responsibility is to help them get through university and high school and everything. He said, so their, their life's going to be totally different. And uh, so she's just engaging him, and the whole rest of the room's just quiet because everybody's like just you know, blown away by this. About that time is when I, I am coming in. It's our normal shift change, and... I'm not always the, the quickest 
you know, when, when things happen. I'm coming, I'm like, hey, everybody, how's everybody doing, you know? And, 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 and I'm like, oh, guess not so. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going on. I sit down, and Molly's trying to explain to me what's going on, but it's kind of hard in front of everybody. And she's getting ready to leave, so she gets up, and she looks at Lynn. She said, Lynn, would you come out in the hall with me? Or, you know, can I talk to you? And they get out there, and he, she, she's like, he's, she goes, can I get your phone number? He said, no, I won't give you my phone number. He goes, you can't change my mind. I've already written the letters, and I know where I'm going to go. It's already done. She goes, well, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, you can pray for me. So she just prays for Lynn, just asks the Holy Spirit to move in his life and change his mind, that he won't make this horrible mistake. She leaves, and soon after, Lynn leaves. We have no way of contacting him. We tell our team we're praying for him, but, you know, we're in a city of 14 million people. Well, a couple months go by, and my family's moving. Uh, we're moving apartments, and I don't know about you, but moving's got to be one of the most joyous, loving moments that can happen in a marriage. <clears throat> I mean, Molly always says, I love to move. I said, I wish you would show it. You know what I mean? Like... You know, the, the process of moving is not fun, right? I mean, like, I, it, it, you know, so, so you can see where our mindset is. It's hot, humid day. It's like June in, in Vietnam, and, and uh, we're in the middle of this move. It's Saturday, and Molly has to run by the coffee shop or something, so we stop in. And, and Saturday's our busiest day at the coffee shop. Every, I mean, it's just packed out. I run upstairs. I had to do something up there. And as I go by the speaking rooms, I look in the, one, the first room, and it's packed out. And as I walk down past that second room, I look in through the window, and I see Lynn. I open up the door. I look at him. I say, it's good to see you. He has a big smile on his face. No, everybody else is like, why is it not good to see me? You know what I mean? Like, no one else knows what's going on. Like, you, and uh, I shut the door and I go downstairs. Now, remember, we got the love of, Molly's got the love of Jesus moving through her. She's ready to do ministry in the middle of this move. And I say, I say, hey, Molly, there's someone upstairs that needs to see you. She's like, who is it, Grant? I said, don't worry about just going upstairs and see. She goes, I don't got time for this today. And, uh, you know, we, we go around like that a couple times because I, I don't give up. And uh, finally, she, said, she just decides it's easier to go upstairs than mess with me. And she looks in that first room, and she's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of people in here, but there's no one I need to see. And she walks down to that second room. She looks through, and she sees Lynn. She opens the door. Lynn runs to her and hugs her. He said, I'm alive today because of you. This is what I believe happened that day. I believe as Lynn was riding that motorbike by, God asked someone to get up and pray for someone that they would never meet. He made someone uncomfortable somewhere in the world, and they were obedient, and they got down on their knees, and they prayed. And because of churches, because of you, Molly was sitting there at the right place at the right time to be able to speak into his life because people were uncomfortable, and they, they were obedient to God, and they, they faithfully gave to our ministry. And because Molly said yes and said, I will go, Lynn's life was saved. Church, there's millions of Lynn's all around this world. And the question we have to say today is the number that God is making you uncomfortable with, 
Is Lynn's life worth that? Are the Lynn's that are waiting for someone to come share the good news of Jesus Christ, is their life worth you being uncomfortable? Thank you. You know, I sat and watched uh, those baptisms today, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit aware of what it took to get there. I mean, for most of these seven years, eight years, many years of investment in their life, when we do a baptism, um, we tell people, invite all your family, invite all your friends. For some of them, it may be separation from friends. It may be an end of family relationships. But they've come to discover Christ, and eventually we pray that that will move into homes. Last week, we received our uh, One Day to Feed the World. It's kind of easy to get our minds around that, uh, to look and say, okay, for $10 a month, I can feed a child for a, a month, and to get our hands and our minds around that and look at it. Uh, but we do faith promises because there's, there's great work going on that needs to go on in places just like we're talking about today in Vietnam and places all around the world and the missionaries that we support that go and do these ministries are involved in these ministries and are making a difference in the world. And they need our prayer and they need our financial support to be able to do that. Just like we need financial support here to be able to do the work we do here getting there, coming back, doing the work there, living there. Uh, those things aren't free things, are they? Uh, but we make an investment so that we make an investment in people. And as we make an investment in people, we answer the call that Christ has upon our life. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to take a moment and just to, uh, to pray one more time about what you say, hey, this is what I believe God's calling me to do, our family to do. You can talk it over with your spouse and uh, what we want to do this year uh, to make a difference. On the back of this card, you'll see a place where it says a weekly promise or a monthly promise and what that, that means as you make a decision to say we want to support missionaries around the world as they go out into the many, many places of the world and do the work of the kingdom of God. Let's take a moment and bow our heads and pray. Father, right now, we just ask you in Jesus' name, to move up on us and to touch us. To speak to every one of our hearts about what you would have us to do. Father, I believe that there are people uh, sitting here today who are supposed to go to Vietnam for a week or ten days. To sit in those rooms with people and to share their faith and to be a part of the consistent story of your work and lives that will move people towards you. Father, I pray you just lay that upon our heart and touch people's hearts with that desire today and that they would step up and ask how can they do that and we can help them. Father, I believe for all of us who come here all the time, who are a part of this fellowship, uh, that, Lord, this is supposed to be down in the very essence of who we are. Father, that may be a, a dollar a week, five dollars a week. It may be much, much more. But whatever you would lay upon our heart to do, 
I pray that we would take that step to be faithful to you, to reach out and touch people around the world, and to be used of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take a moment and just, uh, we're going to take just a moment right here and just take, just put your name and uh, if you have an email address or uh, that we can contact you by with, put that on there. And whatever the Lord's leading you to do for the next year, this is the total giving for the next year, write that on there and uh, in just a moment the ushers will come. And if you have an offering you want to give today to help with missions, you can put that in here as well. Lord, touch us and guide us. Let us rejoice in you. You've given us so much. To whom much is given, much is required. We know if we live in America, we've been given much. Let us do uh, what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come and receive this offering from us, please. Let's stand together and prayer teams, would you come down to the front right now, please? Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful that you sent people into our lives, ministry into our lives, uh, family into our lives, Lord, to share with us the name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we pray you would just speak to our hearts clearly about what you would have us to do to reach others in our own families, in our own worlds, all around the world. Father, let us do whatever we do in that effort. Let, let us do it boldly and let us do it joyfully. Let us do it obediently for you and let lives be changed. Let us be patient in the journey. That, Father, as we see people being drawn to you, Lord, we pray that this would just be a day of celebration in our hearts as we see, Father, one of the ministries that is touching so many people that you allow us to be a part of. And Lord, let us think of all those others that we've heard about and talked to over the years that are making a difference all around the world. And let us give, Father, joyfully to help them do their work. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, you know the hurts of people's lives today. You know the concerns that are going on in lives today. You know the questions in people's hearts today. I pray that, Father, in these next moments around these altars, you would just touch our heart and move in our lives. Give us your direction. And, Father, if there's anyone in this place who's not discovered the eternal life, the eternal hope, the eternal presence that comes into our life, when we surrender our life to your son, Jesus, then this morning, Father, let them step out and come out and talk to someone for a few moments and discover what you mean can mean to them and what they mean to you. Touch each heart today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.